If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply felt discouraged or even defeated, if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then this podcast is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Elvira Kosovic, Esquire, to the show. Elvira is a rebel entrepreneur and wisdom activist. He's been a professor, engineer, exec, investment banker, people coach, and earth lawyer. I love that. He now runs a boutique investment bank, tech and IP capital up and a new school of ancient wisdoms and is a board director at earth law and work life law. Now these two companies are these are all separate up end and tech plus IP capital, right? I mean, that's its own, that's its own entity. I'm sure. Right. That's right. Yeah. Amazing. You are multi-talented. He holds a doctorate in electrical engineering from Washington university in St. Louis, a law degree from university of California, Hastings college of the law. And where is that located? Right here in San Francisco where I am. Oh, San Francisco. Okay. I went to UC Santa Barbara. So I graduated from from UC as well. And then USC. So, and he apprenticed as transformational coach at Phoenix 2000 in trainer designs. Today, Elvir's quest is to refresh our collective memory of our ancient wisdoms so we can each live well, enjoy each other and cherish our earth. Welcome, Elvir. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity and nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you too. I just feel like you're my people. You're spiritual and an entrepreneur. And I'm just like, yay. And very successful tech entrepreneur. It's amazing. And attorney. And I, and I just love how I feel like you integrate spirituality into business to create success. Do you feel like that sometimes? Absolutely. Uh, what I'm excited about is that more and more we can talk about it as being together. Uh, mm-hmm. We almost kind of have to be closeted spiritualists uh, in business and, uh, you know, always suit and tie and fancy watch and, and watch your language, very limited vocabulary. Uh, but then in dealing with people, of course, you deal with people uh, with, with heart, with your mm-hmm. uh, employees, with colleagues, with partners, uh, with investors, with clients even, right? It's, it, you know, how can you provide best customer service is by really caring about what your customer thinks. And if you have really good people skills, then you can figure out not just what your customer is saying, but what they are, what they're really saying, right? Behind yeah. the scenes, That's, are they really, maybe there's, maybe the project they're giving you is not just about the project. Maybe they're about to get fired and the boss will fire them. This project doesn't go well. So what they need to know is that this project is going to like really rocket uh, like this. And when, when uh, I'm able and, and lucky enough to establish a relationship with the client, then they'll open up and share and say, look, you know, this one, project A, it's okay, let's just get it done. Project B, this is the one my job depends on it, or whatever it is, right? My promotion, mm-hmm. my whatever, or I'm in trouble. 
right? This project B that I've been working on, I need your help. It's, 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 it's gone off the rails. So I need you to stop everything and jump in and do this. But in the business environment, we don't allow each other uh, to be uh, honest and caring and, and uh, show vulnerability and ask for help uh, in mm-hmm. a way uh, that, you know, that, that really engages people. And then I do the same thing with my team, right? When I talk mm-hmm. to my team uh, as an entrepreneur, I'll tell them, look, you know, folks, we got we to gotta pull a miracle here on this one. Uh, but on this other one, it's okay. We just, this is just blocking and tackling. Let's, let's get it done. And when there are good news in business, uh, those are easy, right? It's when there are bad news, uh, that's when the trust and respect uh, with your team and relationship with your team really matters uh, and transparency really matters uh, and having some skill in, 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 uh, in connecting with people so they, so they trust you and stick with you, right? Through good times and bad times. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I have to say that I definitely am in the closet with my corporate clients. And, uh, if they ever listen to this podcast, they'll know that I am really spiritual and I do psychic readings and I do healings on people, but in my corporate world, I do ergonomics and which is kind of like related to work-life balance and reducing stress. So I feel like I could integrate meditation and healing into there. I just haven't done it yet. I haven't figured it out. And I, maybe I'm a little bit afraid because I'm defined as this, like I have a contract with my client for this. So I haven't stepped outside that box. Do you ever find yourself stepping outside of that box to give your clients more because you know, all these truths and ancient wisdoms? I do. And I'll tell you one of the biggest uh, challenges for me has been um, very simple, but going on LinkedIn and mentioning the word wisdom and mentioning the word, you know, uh, warrior and lover and, you know, shaman and lightheart. Uh, and all of those, it's uh, because that's not the lingo that that, my that they want to hear. Before. And like you oh. say, you get, you get typecast. Uh, but I've gotten so many people. It was, you know, it, like any other fear, right? It's well, somebody gave me a little definition, a little cute definitions. Uh, fear is false expectations appearing real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, okay, that's a good one. Um, and it turns out most of them are in fact real. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, are in fact false, I should say, uh, and appear very real. Uh, yeah, but, but they're real the end, because it's our belief and our perception, right? They're real right. to us. <laughs> the facts turned out, as always, to be different. And and I don't know how many people reached out to me. I don't know how many clients. I just talked to a client yesterday, and they were doing some IPO, some company, and they decided they're pulling it and all of this. And he was kind of delivering bad news and we were griping together and crying, you know, in, in, in the traditional Wall Street way, right? Just trying uh-huh. to be through it. And then at the end, right before I hung up, he said, oh, I love your stuff on LinkedIn about wisdom and all of this. And he's the last guy I would think uh, would say something like that. So I encourage, um, I encourage you and your listeners uh, and, and folks who pay attention to your podcast to have some courage, right? To bring that wisdom skill of courage, uh, not too much, right? Just like a courage to, do a, a challenging hike uh, is is good, but a courage to do a hike that's too challenging for you now flips you into danger. Mm. So I don't know that I would advise my colleagues to start, you know, uh, chanting, you know, at staff meetings or 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 you know, there's there's some balance, but I think I, there's a lot of room for uh, for courage and and frankly, people people are just looking for more. Everybody, you know, everywhere mm-hmm. in every work, whether 
out with me here in San Francisco where it's ultra woke, or if you're in, in the Midwest or, 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 you know, I have clients in China and Japan, you know, in Japan where the culture, you know, is traditionally has been even stricter than the corporate culture in the U S mm-hmm. uh, people are really looking to connect uh, with each other and connect with the greater purpose and find a greater purpose. Uh, so my invitation to, uh, to your listeners would be to have some courage to bring in these wisdom skills of courage and, and also count on the fact that there's reciprocity. Yeah. Yeah. Reciprocity is one of the beautiful wisdom skills from, from ancient times. It's how all of nature is organized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and count on the fact that if you, if you lead with trust and if you lead with respect, and if you lead with some courage to open up and be vulnerable, there's a huge chance it will come back. Not every time, but, mm-hmm. but, but on balance, you'll, you'll be better off. Uh, showing mm-hmm. some courage to to open up more at work. Mm, I love that. I recently did a meditation. Um, it was a shamanic journey on finding your animal totem for the month of June. And the animal that came to me was a mountain lion. And the message was just what you're saying. <laughs> have courage. So I just love that, but, but you're right. You know, you're not going to expect all these execs to be chanting in the boardroom, but maybe they'll chant before or tell everybody, take a deep breath, you know? So maybe there's simple ways they could integrate mindfulness or spirituality in what they're doing and create that balance or create that environment. Like you're saying to feel free to be vulnerable or ask for help. If they feel like something is too challenging or collaborate with something. Absolutely. And you know what? Some corporate cultures support that others don't. Uh, There are some corporate cultures. I know with working with so many different clients where it's really, you know, a lot of backstabbing and just everybody hates everybody. And it's the the kind of the incentive system, the financial economic incentive system is set up that Mm -hmm. it's win-lose rather than win-win. And, you know, you know, I run a little investment bank now, uh, and I, I started one year ago, it was acquired uh, by a huge bank called Holy Hand Loki, it's $8 billion bank, and we're inside that firm. And, and I always thought, you know, when you run a small firm, it's easier to manage a culture, but in a big firm, Wall Street investment bank, it's going to be backstabbing. I was completely wrong. Uh, it's a huge company, several thousand people. I mean, we spent almost four years there, just super nice folks. Mm. Uh, on the way in, right, when they're supposed to be nice and then also being there for four years. So that's, you know, annual reviews yeah. and all this. And then so on the way out, we left, we left in a good way. And, and, you know, a lot of people talk about corporations in a particular way. And absolutely, there, there are some corporate cultures that are toxic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, that's a good question for your listeners to ask themselves, you know, should I really be investing my time here? Mm. I, how <laughs> wise is it to be investing my time? I'm not suggesting they just pick up and leave. You know, <laughs> yeah, we're not saying you quit right away, but really look inside and see if this is the right place for you. I get what you're saying. And that's, that's what you're right. talking about, courage. Yeah, having courage uh, there, but you know, cur- cur- courage is it's often misunderstood. You know, people mm. think it's just like, yeah, I'm going to go get it and all this. But yeah, before courage, before courage comes uh, reflection, that's another ancient wisdom skill. Mm. It's to really sit and think about what's really going on at this company. Why am I really at this job? Or I have my own startup, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is this really the best use of my time? Where, where is the best use of my time? 
And, and if you're an entrepreneur and you're running a business and maybe there's three or four of you, who is the fifth person you need to hire right now? Is it an administrative assistant? Is it a salesperson? Is it a new CEO? Maybe you're not, the, maybe you're the founder, but not the CEO. I've done this in my companies, you know, a number of times where at some point the, the, the machine of running the company becomes so big that you need a person to just be the CEO to run the machine, to run the company. Because for me as an entrepreneur and founder, that's, you know, it stops being fun. You know, when it's, I still want to be involved, I still want to do all of these different things. And it worked several times where I brought in a CEO. Once I brought in a CEO who ended up firing me, uh, you know. Uh, Are you okay with that? You're smiling. But, you know, I'm, uh, you know it, I wasn't smiling at the time. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You learn. It's, you know, he, he ended up doing me a huge favor. Uh, ah, because I went into, you know, I used to be blessing. medical devices. Yeah. And in medical devices, you have the FDA and everything takes 10 years and all of this. And then it pushed me to go into investment banking, which fits really well with my undiagnosed ADHD, because every day there's a different project. Every mm. day there's a new shiny object, right? Mm. And when you're building a medical device, I built brain medical devices to measure brain waves. Every day you're just doing that for 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. And, and you know, reflection uh, is, is a tool that I didn't have at the time. Had I had it, I would have figured this out on my own. Mm. So it's not just about knowing the concept of reflection, but it's also the practice of reflection. And for some people, it's meditation. For other people, it's getting healing work done, like body work, mm-hmm. which is really important. For me, that's the time for reflection. That's, that's the best time for reflection. Mm-hmm. A simple sitting down meditation for me is really hard. Mm. Uh, but, but being in a session with a, a, a therapist and a person that's you know, doing real, you know, real body work, um, that's when for me is the time to reflect. So it's about finding what is it, uh, what is it for you? And if you need courage to make a decision, maybe before that step of just being rah, 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 have some reflection and say, who am I? What I really want? What would really support me? What kind of people do I want in my life? Uh, you know, for some people, the lovey-dovey environment is, is that's not why they're there. They, they just want to go and, and win. They just want to block and tackle, sell the house, build a project, sell the car, whatever it is. And, and they honestly, genuinely, it's not that they don't know that all the other stuff exists. They just don't want it. Mm. And if you find yourself that you're more of a lovey-dovey kind of type and you're in that environment, you're just in the wrong environment. It's not their mm-hmm. fault. It's not your fault. Just move on. Mm-hmm. I say it as if it's easy. It's not, it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, People might that, feel trapped because of the money or, or whatever reason they have a family right. and supporting them, but, but there might be bigger things waiting for you on the other side, like for you. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I have four kids. I never had one month without a, without a, you know, making money, you know, you just, you just have to do it. It doesn't matter how much money you make, how much money you put away. It just feels like living off of savings is like you're taking your kids money, even though you earned it. <laughs> uh, right. Right. So I always, every job transition, I made huge transitions in life, but it's always been you know, very thoughtful because I just, frankly, a lot of times, especially early in my career, I didn't have the luxury to just quit my job, take a year in India and then come back. No, because there was a lot of noses and, and, and diapers that needed to be wiped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, oh my gosh. That's so great. sweet that you, um, you did the wiping and the diapers. I love that. Yeah. My husband did too. So yeah. amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> not all husbands did. So you're, you're a gem. Okay. So, so yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I wanted to explore a question and I, I think I know the answer based on our conversation so far. Do you believe that it's possible to be conscious and have a successful business? Absolutely. I actually think it's critical. Oh, critical. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, look at business success and failure of, uh, of different people and how correlated that business success and failure is to the quality of their life. Right. So look at, you know, this, uh, the whole thing about Johnny Depp and, and uh, Amber Heard. I and, can't, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. difficult, right? It's difficult. <laughs> I mean, these, these two people, they're young and good looking and, and smart and, and extremely talented. Yeah. They make a lot of money. Yeah. Make a lot of money. And, and you see the kind of misery that they had in that, in that relationship that it goes both ways. Now Mm -hmm. who wins in court and who loses in court. That's, you know, that's a court battle. That's a different thing, but in the court of public opinion, did either of them, did either of them win? Right. It's, you know, I don't know. They just brought a really dirty, ugly side out that, that we got to see. And, you know, I remember Johnny Depp. I don't know if you remember, there's an old movie called Benny and June where he fell in love with this uh, young woman who uh, had a mental disability. And it's like such a beautiful movie. And, and I remember him from those days, right? When, uh, I'm like going to have to watch that. And just to hear all of these ugly things that she did and he did and this and that and the other. Uh-huh. Uh, it just tells you that you can be rich, famous, good-looking, talented, and still have a miserable life. You marry a beautiful man, beautiful woman, and, and, and you have years of misery uh, and, and most of those don't, don't get shown, right? That's that we had now mm-hmm. a viewing to somebody's life, you know, mm-hmm. with, uh, with witnesses. And, and this is one of the reasons, uh, I, I kept going back to wisdoms and saying, there's gotta be more to mm-hmm. life than business success. There's gotta be more than this fighting at work and fighting at home. This is not, th- there's just no happiness here. There's no contentment. There's no, there's, there's no point. And same thing with businesses, you know, when I ran medical device companies, what was really nice about it is you produce the medical device that was used on a baby, right? I, I did uh, hearing testing and brain testing for babies. Okay. And then I built another device that did anesthesia, right? When people are in surgery, so they don't have too much or too little anesthesia. And then we did one for soldiers coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan to tell if they have concussion mm-hmm. uh, or not, you know, in, in that's in their the brain scope, right? That was brain scope. Yeah. It's still uh-huh. out there. It's still, uh, it's still running. Um, and, and if you look at, um, being in that kind of a business, while it wasn't for me because of my, my, my style, uh, and kind of the, the speed at which I'm used to operating long-term, it wasn't for me, but the, during the decade or so that I was in that business, um, you know, you're doing a good thing. You're creating mm-hmm. real value. Whether you made money, or you didn't make money. That's but it almost became secondary. Maybe that's yeah. why I got fired from one of those companies. <laughs> Yeah, too much heart. <laughs> too much heart. <laughs> okay. Speak the truth now. Yeah, exactly. You know, you maybe weren't in alignment with their goals or like vicious goals, maybe of taking over the world or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That or or just money, 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 right? It's, yeah. It's uh, for me, it's balance. And being a conscious entrepreneur means you're in balance. And guess what? When you're a conscious entrepreneur, which is what I've been doing for the last, you know, couple of, you know, decade and a half, um, it's just nice to come to work. You enjoy the staff meeting uh, because the people there, everybody's aligned. You know what you're doing. If, if something goes off track, we, we jump in together and, and, and solve it. 
and like that stress of running a business and all this is removed because what people give you, what employees give you, if you're running a conscious business, what people give you is what, what they call uh, uh, discretionary effort. So you can pay them by the hour to do the work and they'll do the work, right? Anybody will do the work, right? That, you know, there's a few leeches in the systems, you know, but you can weed those out. But if you just pay a dollar, you get a dollar's worth of value. What you can't get out of people is that discretionary effort, the effort to, that they care about the business. And that you can only get if you care about them, mm-hmm. right? And if they see that you care about everybody in the company, and if they see that you care about what the company does and how the company does business. And, and it, it, it pays itself back in spades, not just in money and financial success, but more importantly, like the quality of life. Think mm-hmm. about how much time you spend with people, especially if you're an entrepreneur. You're spending 8, 10, 12, 14 hours a day uh, with that team. Uh, you know, are you going to make it fun and, 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 and easy and problem solving and, and let's get it done kind of an attitude? Or is it going to be a slog every day to come to your own company? I've had that before, right? You're coming to your own company, to your own staff meeting. Like, oh my God, I can't survive another one of these, even though I'm running the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so interesting. I, I just, I love how you're talking about that and, and making that connection. And, you know, in my work in ergonomics in the past, I have actually found that connection as well. When a company cares about their employees, there's less injuries, there's less complaint about discomfort and stress and everything, less workers' comp claims filed. And so they pay less in insurance claims. Like there's this whole trickle down effect when executives and managers just care. Um, It's really fascinating and it it makes a difference in, in every aspect. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you take care of your people, they'll take care of your customers. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. says that. And the problem with a lot of the business talk these days, it's just that it's talk. And that's one of the reasons <laughs> I started. That's so true. I started up and, and then they're you know, like at home on their zoom and it's like, Oh, now I can do whatever. <laughs> that's right. And, and it's about, uh, you know, one of the things we teach at up and uh, you know, I started, it's called a new school of living wisdoms. And that's exactly the idea. We kind of all know the concepts. We know the concept of balance and the concept of courage and the concept of respect, the concept of reciprocity. But to actually turn those concepts, not just into action, but into skills. So you have a skill around courage. Think of, uh, you know, Serena Williams. You can get her, you know, wake her up, surprise her at four o'clock in the morning, drag her out to the tennis court, give her, uh, you know, a, a tennis rack and she'll start playing because she just has the skill. If she doesn't, she doesn't need, she can pull it up a moment's notice uh, like that. She knows exactly what to do. She'll size her opponent in two minutes. She'll figure out what the court is like. She'll figure out the weather and the ball and everything else because she just has a lot of skill. And, and what I set out to do with Upend um, is we brought a number of really experienced teachers who've been doing this for 20, 30 years or more to do exactly this, to not just talk about the concepts, you know, we call it affectionately. We say not to have spiritual entertainment. You know, you go and you watch some super high quality produced video by some super well-known person that talk to you about gratitude. It's beautiful. It's wonderful, but it's spiritual entertainment, right? It's like somebody told me the other day, like doing yoga and you get off the mat and you kick the cat. Uh, what we do at- uh, Wow, at- that is harsh. <laughs> as, you as, said as, it. A, as a terrible <laughs> yeah. example, 
<laughs> right? No, no, no. I, but it's just, you're, no, you're right. It's like you are in this space. Are you living this truth in your life? And, and, you know, I have to remind myself with my kids as well. With kids, for sure, with my four kids. Uh, and what I learned uh, over the years is what doesn't work is willpower. So I'll watch some video or read some book or listen to go to some seminar. And I say, yeah, that's it. I'm going to have a gratitude practice. I'm going to, I'm <laughs> going to do the gratitude thing. And I do it for like three days, three and a half days, maybe four days. Because the only thing I'm really bringing to it is willpower. And willpower is like, I, I commit. I'm going to do it. I'm, there's no question about it. I'm going to do it. But it turns out that it takes more than willpower. It takes skill building. And skill building is, you know, that insight is just the first piece. But after that, you got to experience it in your body. You got to see how it actually works. You got to try it. You got you to actually try to do the gratitude thing. And then your brain sees, okay, this time it worked. And then you do it again in gratitude. And, you know, you're nice to somebody on the bus, but they're mean back to you. You say, okay, this time it didn't work. Okay, put it in a notebook rather than saying, oh, this gratitude thing doesn't work. Put it in your notebook and say, okay, when I do this, this works. When I do that, this doesn't work. I try this, I try that. And it's practice, practice, practice. While you have a teacher or a guide or somebody or a coach that's supporting you. So you're practicing, practicing, practicing. And after a while, you build this concept, a word, uh, uh, you know, uh, a nice virtue. You start building it into a life and then you know how to use it. You know how to deploy empathy when you need it with your kids while also maintaining boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. You know how to employ courage without taking risks, right? You know how to employ courage without, you know, jumping in front of a bus too, mm -hmm. too early. And, and, and it's exactly, it's that skill. So what we do basically at, uh, at, at Upend is we teach the skills and uh, teach them in a way that they, they, they go from this theory and concept down to like, okay, now I just, like Serena Williams, I can just pull out this racket and mm -hmm. I can just, you know, I can just do it. And I'll tell you, for me, getting things done, that's an easy skill, right? The warrior archetype, like no problem. At three o'clock in the morning, no problem. Having empathy when something happens, it's learned skill. I'll tell you that for whatever reason, not natural, either the way I grew up or the way my life turned out or whatever it is, I'm always solve the problem, get it done. And my 11-year-old told me the other day, he was complaining about something at school was difficult and I was you know, teaching him something useful. And he said, dad, can't you see? I don't need a lesson. I need a hug. Oh, what a sweetie. I have a 10 year old. So I'm like, wow. if okay. my son asked me for a hug, I would be just like, oh, my heart would melt. That's right. But it's just a reminder that yes. I brought, what I did is I brought the wrong skill yes. to the yes. wrong place at the wrong time. And I should have started with empathy and compassion ah. and love and care for 10 minutes just to calm him down so he's okay. Mm -hmm. And then I can deliver my lecture about that, 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 that. you got to do this. You got to plan in advance. You got to mm -hmm. all, all that other stuff. Because yeah, in the beginning, maybe, the lecture wouldn't work. Yeah. Or maybe another time, like another day. A you remember day? that? Yeah. And then or that not at all. time. Yeah. Or These not at all. Really smart. <laughs> These kids are really smart. Yeah. Right. Well, good point. Have him deliver you the lecture of what you needed to learn at that time. Well, I want to hear about your own journey. So where were you raised? Tell me about your yourself. Sure. So I was born uh, in, in, uh, in Bosnia, or actually I was born in Yugoslavia. There was a country that, that you know, uh, Yugoslavia had six states. And one of those states was Bosnia and one was Serbia, one was Croatia. 
uh, and all of that. And then I came uh, to the States uh, in 1990 as a foreign exchange student. You know, the... the and how old were you? The, uh, I was 17. Oh, uh, okay. You know, the goofy little guy in all the movies, that's a foreign exchange student. That was, I was that guy. Um, <laughs> And I went into a really small town. I, you know, you kind of luck of the draw. So I went. Yeah, into they could make town. a movie about you, right? That's right. In the Ozarks uh, called yeah. Aurora, Missouri. Beautiful town, home of the hound dogs. Uh, you know, just kind of quintessential America, right? Is, is as America as, as it gets. And it was, uh, I made so many good friends. Uh, my host family, actually, you know, still in touch with them after oh. 30 years. Uh, I actually, my, my host mom, ended up getting divorced. And then many years later, she came to my wedding uh, as a guest and uh, she met one of my friends and married him. <laughs> I love it. How many blessings can you give someone? That's amazing. Uh, but it's reciprocity, right? She treated yeah. me like a mother. I was in a faraway land without mom and dad. And then while I was here, the war started in Bosnia. So, you know, the you movie had to stay. Out with Tom Hanks. Yeah. yeah, when he was a man without a country, I was that guy for like four years. Mm. Like my papers didn't exist. I wasn't, you know, so luckily, I, you know, I was able to get, you know, whatever legal status. I was a student, right? So that helped. So that I wasn't here illegally for even one day. So right. if my student status had expired, I would have to go home. Uh, luckily, they had a program for refugees and all of that. And Oh, you know, beautiful. It's been a good investment. I've paid a lot of tax dollars. Oh, um, that's nice. That's all nice. the years. But, uh, but then career took me, you know, I, I trained as an engineer. Yeah. Uh, what got you interested that, in that? Yeah. There was another one that I was just good at math. I was good at building oh. things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it just ended up going too far away from people and humans and, 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 you know, being with people and, and uh, interacting. And it was went too much into technology and all of that. So I pulled back out. And found a happy mix with this technology investment banking, where I'm with people. All I do is work with people every day, which I enjoy and love. And I get to bring my technology uh, expertise. And, you know, 10 years ago, I would have never guessed uh, that, I, that I would be here. So this is why it's so important to pay attention to the signals and to have some mm. peace and quiet in life. Interesting. Uh, so, that, so that we can, you know, we can hear the call of, of where, where our skills are better used. Interesting. Um, and what yeah. about law school? What made you want to go to law school? You know, I, I, I just had a shortage of skills. I'm back again mm. to skills. And, and when I was uh, doing, you know, mergers and acquisitions and deals, and I do a lot in intellectual property, so many people around me were attorneys and uh. they just, they just knew what they were talking about. And I was always the outsider. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was 40 years old. I had four kids. And I said, no, I'm going to go to law school um, okay. and, and do this. So while I was in law school, I started a little company. By the time I finished law school, the company ended up with, you know, 40 people. Oh, so, uh, that's great. <laughs> and that's how we got sold to the big investment bank. But uh, oh, it's been, got it. How, how many years is law school? Four years? Three. Oh, three years. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. So you had so much success. And did you find that you had a lot of letting go so that you could study and then your business started thriving? Yeah, it was really challenging. Uh, that yeah. was, uh, that was not a lot of fun. Uh, j- just bouncing. If I was in any one environment, if I was home with the family, that was fun. If I was at my job, that was fun. If I was at law school, it's fun hanging out with the kids and learning just super cool new stuff. I mean, our law, our constitution is 
you know, when you really study it, it's, it's mm. really kind of the whole system of laws is really based on wisdom, right? Mm. It, it's a living, breathing document, right? So we need to continue to add to it and, and uh, adapt, adapt it to current days. But they really thought of everything. They thought of, you know, some populist running off. They thought of, you know, issues of freedom. They thought of uh, a whole variety of things. Now, of course, at that time, they didn't give rights to women and minorities and you know, we continue to have this big stain of, you know, how we treated the indigenous people here. Uh, but there's, there's movement in, in you know, in, in, I think in the right direction over the last few years mm. uh, to talk about these things and then, you know, to find ways to make amends. Uh, and I think we're our country and an idea that, that has it in itself to, uh, to really continue to strive for that ideal. Now, if it's moving slower or faster, you know, what did uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg say? To those uh, who are privileged, equality feels like oppression because they're losing, right? Wow, that's powerful. Uh, oh, I love her. Yeah. And and so today, how do you inspire win-wins between people, business, and our planet? Really, by going back to the uh, the teaching of the ancient wisdoms, uh, and 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 insisting on a wiser way to to live, right? With families. You know, and I struggle, like, you know, imagine for kids, of course we struggle. We don't always talk to each other all the time. There are struggles, but it's not about the struggle. It's about how you treat each other in the middle of a struggle. And then what do you learn from it and how do you come out? So in my family, uh, with, with, you know, my colleagues at work, in my community, with my friends, how do I bring in these concepts that have been proven to work for tens of thousands of years? Mm. You know, and if you just turn to any indigenous culture, they still keep these concepts alive in the kind of the super tech world that, that, that I live in, we've walked away from these concepts. We decided That's technology right. is gonna solve all our problems. Uh, and it's not, it's not, it's creating problems. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as I looked for solutions, I looked for you know, at this guru or the, this scientific solution or this psychiatric thing or this and that and the other, they, something was always short. And part of the problem is some of these great new things, they're just not proven. We don't know if they actually work. But what we do know works is courage, reciprocity, uh, abundance, uh, respect, consent, uh, these basic core virtues, uh, reflection uh, like that, uh, that, that have been tried time and time again, continent after continent, culture after culture, religion after religion, no matter where you look, uh, which religion you dig in uh, deeper and you look at the source documents, maybe not how it's you know, practiced in certain parts of the world, but if you look at the source document where it came from, no matter which religion you, you, you look at and where you go, you'll find some of these same learnings, which, by the way, come from, you know, come from nature. Uh, so that's one of the reasons I spend so much time in nature and fight to preserve, uh, you know, and give right to earth, uh, mm-hmm. give a right to a forest to, to kind of represent itself, um, if you will, and have a voice, uh, a voice through others. So that we don't just come in and we just say, okay, we don't like this forest, we're going to cut it down. We don't like this river. We're going to dam it up. Mm. We don't like this, whatever. We, you know, we need this lithium. We're just going to dig it out of here. And, and Is when that I learned, the Earth Law Center you started? Uh, I didn't start it. I'm just a board member. It was been started. Oh, you're a, a long board time member. Ago. Beautiful. But it's, it, it, you know, we, we are helping pass constitutional rights for, the, for nature. Uh, and even in the city, in the city of Santa Monica, you know, um, nature has rights. Uh, for example, right? There was mm-hmm. a city councilor and, and, and a city attorney who, who, who basically appointed guardians to speak on behalf of, 
you know, speak on behalf of nature in the city. So we need those voices, not that they need to be the only voice, but we need those voices in the room that somebody is representing and saying, hey, what about, is there a different way to do this, right? Is there, yeah. Do we really need this dam, right? Do we need this? Do we, so we need to be engaging in discussion that incorporates all of the stakeholders, right? The indigenous people who are on that river, one of the projects we have is helping the, you know, one of the tribes on, on Snake River remove the dams off of Snake River because the salmon is gone. Right, and th- their whole culture is wrapped into uh, the same. It's indistinguishable, and we promised them in a treaty that they can have all the salmon they want. Oh, uh, then we built four dams which killed all the salmon. Oh, and not only is salmon a sacred animal to them, it's also part of their upbringing. It's part of rites of passage. Mm. It's part of religion and culture and tradition, uh, and everything else. And it turns out those dams are not really generating that much electricity. We actually have a surplus of clean energy. Ah, uh, in, in that area. So, so it's not like you know, it's, it's, you know, maybe in a different area in a different region, it's, it's, uh-huh. it's a different strategy, but for that tribe, for that region, it's kind of Oregon and Washington state, mm-hmm. you know, plenty of clean energy to go around uh, there. So people Did you like, already succeed in that, or that's in process? It's in process. There was one success that I wasn't a part of, but my colleagues and friends yeah. were used to remove the dams on the Klamath, Klamath river in, in California. And it was actually done with Berkshire Hathaway. They own the dams and state of California and the local tribes, uh, Native American tribes that are, are that wonderful. Are there a four-way deal to bring down these dams uh, and do it. So it can be done, right? And it's a small group of people. There's maybe a hundred people in 20 years of work, mm-hmm. uh, but they got it done. So now they're an example for the rest of us to say, hey, yes. maybe we can do it here and we can do it here like that. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so amazing. And I love how you're showing the evidence of how much energy it's generating because they're not getting their return on the investment from the dam. So, so what's the point in blocking all these people? That's amazing. And then, so you get a court order or they get a court order and then the corporation has to comply or they have a certain period of time. That's one way to do it. In this case with the Klamath River, uh, the lawyer who ran the deal, I had a chance to meet him, brilliant guy uh, here in the Bay Area. He actually engineered the deal. So there was no litigation. So engineered the deal. Berkshire Hathaway is run by Warren Buffett, meaning one of the yeah. smartest investors yeah. in the world. Right? Yes. <laughs> and so engineered the deal with Warren Buffett and with State of California. State of California passed some bond and contributed a couple hundred million dollars. Uh, Warren Buffett gave, or whatever, uh, Berkshire Hathaway gave yeah. another couple hundred million dollars. This is all public. And together, they're going to slowly take down these dams to make sure that, you know, the, the sand that's up there doesn't hurt the rest of the river and to revive the economy around it and to find replacement sources of power. Um, and you know what? The, the, a lot of people worked on this, but this lawyer in particular engineered this solution, kind of a three-way, four-way deal. It took a while that avoids litigation. It's all agreement. Uh-huh. Uh, and a lot of the principles I heard from him as he was talking, I could just check my little secret checkbox of ancient mm-hmm. wisdoms. You know, he worked in council with everybody. There's a lot of mutual respect. That trust was built uh, like that. And, and there was reciprocity. Everybody had to get something. You couldn't mm-hmm. just force people to do it. Everybody had to get something out of the deal. Uh, and, and, and it worked out. Yeah, that's amazing. I live in Colorado and I used to live in California. You know, I went to UC Santa Barbara and USC, and then I worked in California for a while after. And uh, in Colorado, they have uh, board members that um, protect the open space. Mm. 
But I find that there's this dichotomy because there's also a lot of digging, you know, for um, fracking and for oil, like right next to the open space or, you know, so it's just, it's just kind of funny because there's, there's both like you think, oh, they really respect wildlife, but not necessarily, you know, behind closed doors, they're making these other deals. So, and it's just interesting. It is. And, and as I was looking for solutions there, one solution is just to litigate and sue and Mm -hmm. only take the warrior archetype. Mm-hmm. Right. And just say, I'm going to be the warrior. I'm going to fight. I'm going to sue. I'm going to litigate. And sometimes that's necessary, but that's not the only tool in the box. Right. There are other tools. There's a tool of empathy. There's a tool of compassion. There's a tool mm-hmm. of understanding that these people who are in these industries, uh, they got families, mm-hmm. right? They got investments. They got, yeah. so we, we can't they just won. say, okay, now you just go out of business and you go bankrupt and, and we win. Right. Well, okay. It's not that's that one easy. way to do it. But then immediately you're going to turn them into warriors and they're going to start fighting the other way. So is there a smarter way? Is there a wiser way to go about this? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it really is to me about education. Why I started the school, you know, at uh, upend.com is we need more people educated in these skills because then we come up with third solutions. Mm-hmm. It's not my solution. It's not your solution. It's third and fourth and the 11th solution. Mm-hmm. But to get to that 11th solution, we need, we need courage. We need trust. We need respect. We need consent, right? That's the one thing we didn't do with indigenous people around the world. We never asked for consent. We just took it. Yeah. Right. Wherever. And we just took it and just, mm-hmm. and then you deal with it, right? Give them whatever yeah. deal, no matter where you go, South America, Africa, mm-hmm. Aboriginal people in Australia, it's pretty much the same attitude, right? We want it. Right. We're taking it and good luck. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that violates yeah. the basic principle. And then of course it creates, it, 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 action creates reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on, on the other side but if we lock horns it's just a waste of a lot of energy i'll tell you from the legal perspective you're always better not doing a lawsuit mm. uh, you know if you can find a way and, and if we can just educate people that's what i've seen time and time again right in business deals of all kinds it's really if you can educate and if you can be we can be wise enough to figure out what does the other side really want and how can we create that in this context sometimes you can't right sometimes it's like a soccer game or a basketball game last night with the warriors Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and Boston and one's going to win, one's going to lose. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fine. In this, in the context of sports, you, it's a win lose context, but in the context of business, it doesn't have to be, it can be win-win. Yeah. And literally you can engineer. I don't know how many engin- projects are engineered where it's a win-win. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. That that's amazing. So last question, what is Zen success to you? Yeah. It's uh, to me, it's like a wholesome success that 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 um i feel content i feel that that i created something so that part of me came out i feel i did it in a good way uh, for my body i didn't abuse my body while i was there i didn't wear myself out i did it in a good way with other people i'm not leaving dead bodies in the wake right where, where I, I had to you know not pay this guy or do this or not do this or get in a fight with this supplier but i did it in a good way uh, like this, and 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 I've brought people along, right? So there's gain sharing, uh, as as uh, as success was created, that everybody feels a part of that success, and those are hard to pull off, and that's why I think we need new skills. Uh, it turns out these new skills are actually old skills, right? Ancient. Yeah. Skills. Bringing and if them we can just back. remember them, that's why I keep talking about refreshing our mm-hmm. memory because we've been sold a bill of goods that the only way to be successful is this kind of neoliberal growth path, you know, build, 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 build. Uh, and it turns out 
short term, that's successful. Long term, we have global warming, we have weather problems, we have political issues, we have, I don't know that we've kind of, I, I don't think that we could, if we went to some other planet and, and justified what we did on earth, or if we had to go to God, or if we had to go to the spirit, I don't know that we could like go with a clean face and say, it's going really well. I don't think it's going really well. And we have the tools to make it go really well. Yeah. Yeah. That's so inspiring. I love that. So it's been such a pleasure getting to know you and learning about Upend and all of your businesses and your journey to these ancient wisdoms and spiritual truths. So I'll put the website about you and Upend in the show notes. Any last words of inspiration? I mean, that was pretty inspiring already. So <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, if there's anything, it's about uh, treating yourself well remembering to treat yourself well because you in your life are the center of uh, of that life and and um the balance in giving and receiving is really hard especially for entrepreneurs uh we're used to giving 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 and and we give from our body and we give from our soul and we give from our heart uh and it's important to also know how to receive uh and ask for help and and uh take care of of your own well-being uh and then as you know you know uh, as you know it'll then your family is going to do well. Then your colleagues at work and your clients and your vendors. And then everybody, if you approach everybody when you're well, then the world reflects that wellness back to you uh, and you bring it into the world. So my, my last invite to your listeners would be to just take care of themselves. Wow. That is such amazing advice. I love that. And I'm going to take that advice as well. Thank you, Elvir. Have a blessed day. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed meeting you. And thank you for these wonderful questions. It was perfectly teed up. I couldn't have asked them better myself. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Zen Success. I would love to get your feedback at zensuccesspodcast.com on what topics you'd be most interested in and what Zen Success is to you. Thanks for listening.